This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Trash Talk with TK. In this episode, we will discuss the Sixers trading for a third star, the new Big Three. Jimmy Butler, a 76er. He makes his debut tonight with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. It's going to be fun to watch. I'll talk about the trade and what it means for this team moving forward. And we'll also talk about the four and five Eagles, the disgraceful, sickening loss to the Dallas Cowboys the other night, and whether their season is over or not. It's bad right now. We'll talk about whether all hope is lost for the Eagles. This is Trash Talk with TK. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. Tonight, it is the debut of Jimmy Butler with the Philadelphia 76ers and a ton to discuss with the Sixers and this trade. First of all, um, let's address the trade itself, which came to uh, pretty much everybody as a total surprise on Saturday afternoon. I didn't expect the Sixers to end up being the team that acquired Jimmy Butler. Everybody knew that it was an untenable situation with him in Minnesota and that he was eventually going to have to be moved. I mean, that was no secret when Jimmy Butler is feuding as publicly as he was with the organization and maybe more specifically the other two quote unquote star players in Minnesota, because I don't consider Andrew Wiggins or, or Carl Anthony Towns uh, to be stars at this point, certainly not to the level where you would consider Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons to be at right now. And along with potential for the future. And Bean Simmons are just more talented and promising prospects than Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins are. And that situation had just become, uh, you know, a, a joke. It had. And, and Jimmy Butler is not without blame in that. Jimmy Butler probably deserves a lot of the blame in that. The fact that he... You know, wanted out so bad, and players have the right to go want to play somewhere else, and he made it a very uncomfortable situation for everybody in the Timberwolves organization. He's not the first guy to do something like this. You know, a lot of players do this. I mean, Kawhi Leonard did it in a more quiet way, a less vocal way, but Kawhi Leonard essentially did the exact same thing last season in just flat out refusing to play uh, for the San Antonio Spurs. So Jimmy Butler does get dealt to the Sixers. A lot of talk about the Heat and some other teams throughout this process. Sixers certainly uh, were mentioned, but I don't think we're ever really considered to be one of the more likely destinations. But it gets done. Elton Brand, a few weeks into the job, pulls off a, um, you know, a really impactful move. And this move... I think the general opinion has been that it is a good move for the Philadelphia 76ers. I know there are some people who are detractors, some people who are, 
you know, a little worried about Jimmy Butler and his his personality, which can be a bit prickly, and the issue of his contract and only being assured to be in Philadelphia for the rest of the year. And while I understand those concerns, this is an absolute knockout, home run, had-to-do-it deal for Elton Brand and the 76ers if it was available to them. Because, you know, we've been talking about the process forever, and, you know, what was the process all about? This is exactly what it was all about. Exactly what it was all about is gather a group of potential superstar players. Get them early in their careers and watch the program grow from there. You draft Embiid, you draft Simmons, you actually get four. The the most amazing part about the whole thing with Embiid, which is so interesting now, is, yeah, there's no guarantees he can stay healthy for the rest of his career. He looks pretty healthy right now, like extremely healthy, which is very assuring. But what's amazing is none of this happens without Joel Embiid breaking his foot a week before the draft because the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to take him number one. And Joel Embiid could have very well ended up being a Minnesota Timberwolf because they wanted Kevin Love. LeBron James wanted Kevin Love. And Cleveland ultimately ended up trading that pick, which was Andrew Wiggins, to the Timberwolves for Kevin Love. Who knows? Maybe Joel Embiid ends up in Minnesota from the get-go if he doesn't break his foot. But who would have thought that Joel Embiid, you know, being injury-prone early in his career, actually potentially could have worked to the Sixers' advantage in a major way. But the point of this process was to get young potential superstar players. You draft Embiid. You draft Simmons with the number one overall pick. And then it was with your other collection of assets to cash them in at some point for a more veteran established player who you could bring in and add to your two young superstars. That is what this thing has been about the entire time. The Sixers took their swings in the offseason. They went after LeBron James. It didn't work out. They had talks with the Spurs about Kawhi Leonard. Those talks didn't go anywhere because the, the Spurs were so focused on wanting Embiid or Simmons back. Uh, immediately when they then when that's the ask, you you hang up the phone. But the Sixers ended up playing this pretty well. And the the point was to cash in some of these assets. Dario Sarge, who you get with, I believe, the 10th overall pick in the same draft you drafted Embiid, ends up being a valuable asset. Ends up being a team, or being a player that is attractive to other teams and can be a piece. And when you have a team like Minnesota, who has a guy like Butler who they need to get rid of, who they're not going to be able to resign, he doesn't want to be there, they're looking for assets that can help them. And when you have a guy like Tom Thibodeau, he's not worried about the future. You know, I don't honestly think this is the best deal for Minnesota. If I was uh, uh, somebody invested in the Minnesota Timberwolves' future, I'd have been much more focused on getting things that are going to help this organization in the future because they're not winning anything now anyway. But Tom Thibodeau was worried about winning now. You have a guy like Dario Sarge. That's an attractive piece. You have a guy like Robert Covington, who was a controversial player in this town. I have been 
a noted Robert Covington detractor at times. Some would call me a hater. I don't hate Robert Covington. I never hated Robert Covington. I think Robert Covington is a valuable player in today's NBA. I've always said that. My issue with Robert is actually less with Robert Covington and more with the Robert Covington zealots. The people who who are obsessed with this guy and think he he's like, you know, a top-level player in this league. Robert Covington is a guy who does some things very well. He's a very good team de- defender. He's good at anticipating passing lanes. He's good at at making things happen on the defensive side of the ball. But he is not a defensive player that is without weaknesses. Robert Covington is an average on-ball defender. I, I, I still have flashbacks last year in the playoffs, him getting cooked off the dribble by old Dwayne Wade. He couldn't he couldn't handle Dwayne Wade in that Heat series. Dwayne Wade, you know, is 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 an, a shell of himself. Robert Covington is supposed to be this defensive stopper. He could not stick with Dwayne Wade. He could not shut Dwayne Wade down that series. He, Robert Covington is a good defender, but he is not this lockdown shutdown defender, which I think Jimmy Butler is more of. And uh, you look on the offensive side of the floor, people point to, to Covington's three-point percentage, and that's fine. He, he's a, a good three-point shooter when you look at the entirety of the year, but he's extremely streaky. And not that other shooters are not. Shooters by nature are streaky. But I trust more a guy like J.J. Redick than a guy like Robert Covington. Robert Covington is a guy that... When he is not hitting shots, he's a complete zero offensively. A complete zero. He not only does not help you, he hurts you offensively. Because he can't do anything else other than hit than hit three-point shots when he's hot. He can't put the ball on the floor. He can't finish around the rim. Robert Covington is an extremely flawed basketball player. And that is the only thing that I would like the people who are such, you know, defenders... To admit, and they just refuse to admit that, so I come off as a hater a lot of the time. When the bottom line is, I'm just I'm just a realist. Accepting what Robert Covington is. That being said, there are things he does well. And when he's hitting shots, he's a very effective player. And he is good at certain aspects of defense. And that is why Minnesota found him attractive. He's on a good contract. And he's going to help them. And that's... What Minnesota was looking for was, you know, they got two players that can help them now for one. But for the Sixers, this is a no-brainer. A no-brainer. Now, yeah, you do certainly, this trade could look bad if things don't work out and Jimmy Butler leaves at the end of the year. But sometimes you got to take risks. And the Sixers are in a situation where they couldn't just wait around forever. You can't just wait around and hope in the offseason Clay Thompson chooses to pick you. You can't hope that, that Kevin Durant will just choose to come here. Could that happen? I mean, the odds are very slim, but maybe if you make an attractive pitch, maybe one of those guys would choose to come here. But you can't just wait around forever for that to happen. You need to make your own luck sometimes. And that is exactly what Elton Brand did with this move. To go out and aggressively Get a star player. Because that's what Jimmy Butler is. He's a star. He's a top 20 player in this league. Ben Simmons, probably not quite there yet. But I think Ben Simmons is going to flourish with Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid by his side. And Joel Embiid, I mean, Joel Embiid, I have always said it. And this year it's making evident. 
Joel Embiid could eventually end up being the best player in the NBA. No, he's unprecedented. His size, strength, skill, it's unprecedented. Anthony Davis is the closest thing to it. And Anthony Davis, while he's better than Joel Embiid right now, is not as strong as Joel Embiid is. And will never be. So this big three is going to be extremely intriguing. Now you move on to what this team and what this roster looks like now and how things are going to shake out, how it's all going to work together. And I think, I mean, Butler's a perfect fit. He's just a perfect fit. They needed a guy who could create his own offense. They needed a guy who could score in isolation, a guy that that could do things that they don't have. Like, yeah, you have Joel Embiid who's your go-to guy. And Ben Simmons' shooting ability makes him not really able to fill that role. But Jimmy Butler's guy, he can get to the rim. He can shoot from the outside. He has a great mid-range game. Tough, tough defender. Fierce competitor is one thing you've heard across the board. And I think he's going to help this team tremendously. And the starting lineup as we lead off, um, lead up to this game tonight, I'm recording this podcast about three hours before tipping Orlando. An interesting lineup. Markel Fultz obviously goes back to the bench. And Markel Fultz, I don't know if he's ever going to have a role in this team. I think this is a big, you know, statement that they just, you know, they're kind of moving on. They'll keep him here and he'll be here and they'll try to find a role. But they know Markel Fultz is never going to be that quote-unquote third star they hoped he could be. And it's a shame. But Markel Fultz just, he's he's never going to be a a player in this league. I said that months ago um, when people over the summer told me Drew Hamlin had him fixed. I just said, oh, okay. And by the way, Drew, Drew Hamlin is the biggest fraud out there. This guy's a complete clown. What Drew Hamlin did, just as an aside real quick, think of what Drew Hamlin did this summer. Pumping Markel Fultz up, talking tough about how great Markel Fultz is going to be. When he knew Markel Fultz was mentally fragile, he knew things weren't fixed, all just to promote his business, and then throw the kid under the bus when it doesn't look great. Yeah, Drew Hamlin, what class guy. Real class act he is. What a fraud. But when you look at this roster now, Sixers going out with a lineup of uh, Simmons, Redick, Butler, Wilson, Chandler, and Joel Embiid. I think that's a really versatile defensive lineup. Jimmy or JJ Redick, obviously the weak point defensively, but you have four other guys that are all above average defenders. I mean, and Wilson Chandler as a wing is going to become really important now because his his um playing time is going to increase because you did trade two for one, two wing players. Sarge, you can argue whether he's necessarily a wing guy but two players for one at the three and four position. So Chandler will play more this one. This, hey, we're going to get a shot to see Furkan Korkmaz now. He looked good the other night in Miami. He complained about not getting the chance to play. He's going to get the chance to play now. I see him being about a 15-minute-a-night guy for the time being. We'll see what the Sixers do with their extra, extra roster spot. But I'm interested to see Brett's rotations. Uh, Mike Mascala. We'll probably play some minutes at the four. I would like Mike Muscala to get a lot of those backup center minutes to keep Amir Johnson off the floor. And, you know, because you could either go with Muscala a lot at the four when Chandler's not in as a stretch four and play Amir Johnson at center. But I think I'd rather play Muscala as a stretch five and give Jonah Bolden some minutes. Jonah Bolden's a young player with potential. Amir Johnson is what he is, and he's declining. I'd rather play Muscala and play Jonah Bolden, you know, or play small, smaller lineups than play Amir Johnson. But I'm very interested to see Brett's rotations. Landry Shaman will obviously be the shooter off the bench. He'll get a lot of those minutes behind Redick. 
Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see where TJ McConnell fits into all this as well. Because um, I am very interested to see how the minutes are divvied up at the point guard position behind Ben, whether TJ or Markel Fultz gets the bulk of those minutes, and you're going to see lineups as well where Ben's playing the four, at least defensively. I mean, he'll still run the offense, but defensively, you'll you'll see Ben guarding a lot of force. And just when you look at Butler, Simmons, and Embiid, I just think of the possibilities. I mean, you run any of those any of those three guys in pick and rolls together. Whether it's Butler handling and Simmons picking and rolling off, or Simmons handling with either Butler or Embiid picking and rolling off, because now they're going to have to count for Butler and Redick. They can't converge on Simmons as much. It's going to open things up for Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons might benefit for the, from this more than Joel Embiid, but just the 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 ways that Brett Brown can creatively scheme things up. I can't wait for it. I, I I think it's a great trade and I can't wait. Can't wait for this game tonight and see how it all shakes out. But a great trade for the Sixers. Appreciate Dario Sarge. Appreciate Robert Covington. I know a lot of you think I hate Robert Covington. I don't appreciate what they did, but this was a necessary trade. And the Sixers, hey, this year's all about getting to the finals now. It'll be a disappointment if the Sixers do not get to the NBA finals this year. It's going to be on Brett Brown to see how he can make it all work. Can't wait. Great trade for the 76ers. Now, unfortunately, we're going to have to talk about the Eagles. And uh, just, I, I don't even, I don't have words at this point um, how to describe this team. I mean, the other night, for, uh, Sunday night, I'm watching the game at my apartment. And I was furious at halftime. I mean, I... My wife was watching the first half with me. She's dozing off on the couch because you know she gets up for work early, whatever. But um, I woke her up with my reaction to that drive before halftime because I thought I thought it was disgraceful for the Eagles. Um, you know, down six three, that was such a turning point in the game. You know, they they have, you know, you just get a long field goal from Jake Elliott, which you know is a silver lining to what is a terrible half. And you're thinking at that point, okay, well if we can go into halftime down 6-3, or at that point, you're thinking maybe you can get the ball back going tied or with the lead. I mean, it would have been amazing because they played so poorly, especially in the offensive side of the ball in that first half. But that drive before halftime, you call timeouts, you get a third and 15, and you give it up. Rasul Douglas, just with an absurdly dumb play, ducking inside. I mean, I was talking about it with Ike on, on Monday at Chickies and Pete's. It ain't just ridiculous. You know, third and 15, your job there is just stay outside. Stay outside. Force the receiver on a wide receiver bubble screen back in where all your help is. Instead, he duck inside. He goes down the sideline, picks up a first down, leads to a touchdown before half. And I was just infuriated at that point. I couldn't believe the Eagles were losing 13-3 to to the Cowboys at home at the half. And then the second half, they come out. Finally, the offense gets going. They miss an opportunity in the red zone early uh, to Alshon Jeffrey where Carson, you know, made a bad throw. I mean, Carson, Alshon Jeffrey did the right thing, sat down, and, you know, Carson led him right into a safety, and it was a bad throw. But um, Carson comes back, and I thought Carson Wentz, yeah, he didn't play well in the first half. Yeah, he missed some things. But that loss the other night, that was not on Carson Wentz. And, you know, I've been critical of Carson Wentz. I said against Carolina – he absolutely had to get them in the end zone there in that last drive. Had to. I mean, 
That's inexcusable. Against Tennessee, you have two shots in the red zone at the end of the game. you got to put one of those in the end zone where if you get in and you score a touchdown, you win the game. And I've been critical of Carson in those situations. But in this game, he brought them back twice. I mean, tied the game up twice. At some point, your defense needs to make a stop. This defense, I just have no words. It's the complete opposite of last year. Where Last year, in every kind of big spot, no matter how they were playing, you felt like the defense was going to make a play. You felt like they were going to find a way to get it done against the Rams, where they've given up a ton of points. Chris Long makes a huge play, gets a strip sack of Jared Goff, and it changes the game. Against New England, they're giving up, you know, boatloads of yards, boatloads of points. I still felt at the end of that game, somebody was going to make a play. Brandon Graham makes the big play to, to win the Super Bowl. This year, it's the opposite. You feel like nobody's going to make a play. I mean, the Eagles. Tied at 13, then defense lets him go right down the field, make 20 to 13. Eagles come back down, tied at 20. Defense lets them go right down the field again to put them up 27-20. And when it was tied at 20, the Eagles had just tied it up for the second consecutive time. I had no faith. I had no faith defense was going to get stopped there. You knew Dallas was going to go right down the field. I mean, it's that it's to that point with this defense where I, I don't know what it is with this team. First half, defense plays well. Offense can't get anything going. Second half, offense finally gets together. Your defense collapses. I don't I don't really know what to say. Um, and I'm not going to blame it on the injuries because people blame it on, oh, Ronald Darby went down. They had Shannon Sullivan out there. Shannon Sullivan, they didn't go after him at all. I mean, this is Rasul Douglas. You see why he hasn't been on the field. But the way they got run wild on, that's on the front four, man. That's on, where, where was Jordan Hicks? Where was Nigel Bradham? They were both invisible. They were both ghosts. In that game. You know, and just not making big plays. Kamut Grugier Hill, first half. You have a chance to have pick six. I know your hands hurt. You have a cast on your hand. Dude, you got to catch that ball. I mean, that's a pick six that could have changed that game. And this team is just, you know, at four and five, they're honestly still not out of it. As many as much as people want to say the season's over, it's not. In this division, you are still alive. And even if the Eagles lose this week to the Saints, and the Redskins win. It's still not over because you have four division games and you have two games against Washington. Do I think the, the but where things changed is for the first time after this weekend, I do not think the Eagles are going to win the division. After every week, despite all the struggles, I still thought the Eagles are going to win the division. The Eagles are going to win the division. Nobody else is as good as them. They'll get it together eventually. For the first time, I don't think they are. I just don't have the faith. It just doesn't seem like the right feel. And I'll tell you when I knew things were, I was uneasy going in that game. And I knew a lot of people, you know, thought it was going to be a blowout. We're going to stop on the Cowboys grave, all this stuff. That was, you know, whatever. I didn't feel that way. And I didn't like how the players were talking during the week. And that's when I got uneasy. When you have all these players, Kelsey, Jenkins, Peters, all coming out and talking about the Cowboys and, you know, bashing Dallas. That stuff never ends well. It never ends well. And this team needs to look itself in the mirror and decide what they want to be. Like, what do they want to be this year? They just want to be another story of a team that wins the Super Bowl, gets fat and happy, and has an extremely disappointing following season? Because right now, that's where it's headed. And it doesn't really seem like they're, you know, all that concerned about fixing it, you know? But it's it, it's it's time to look yourself in the mirror and decide whether you want to change who you are 
And that's what Doug said. He said, we need to change who we are. We'll see if they're up to that. I mean, this week against New Orleans, hey, I picked the Eagles to win every game this year, and it's not a homerish thing. I legitimately thought every year going into the game that it was a good spot for them, and I felt like the Eagles were the better team. Not this week. I'm not picking them this week. And winning would be a tall task. This is the type of win that could turn your season around. You know, you get the Giants at home next week. You'd think that's a win. And then a huge game against Washington Monday night. If you win this week, it could change your season. But I don't have that kind of confidence. I don't know how anybody could. But I at least want to see this team go down to New Orleans and be competitive. Show some heart. Show some fight. We know you're extremely undermanned defensively. We know you probably can't score with this team. But go show some fight. Because I didn't see that the other night in the second half from this defense. You know, I don't, I, I just don't see the same fire. And I know a lot of that, I think, gets overblown. But you see it this year, something's wrong. Something's off. But for the first time this year, I don't feel like this team is going to win this division. And I hope I'm wrong. And that'll do it for Trash Talk with TK. We'll actually be back, uh, I think, tomorrow. We'll have something special. Uh, me, Andrew Porter, Bill Kornfeld from... Um, 1210 PhD and Dave Breitmeyer, another engineer here at the station. If you listen to us last year, we have our Game of Thrones Facebook Live that we have converted into a podcast yesterday. Game of Thrones announced to return April 2019. We'll have a little off-season Game of Thrones talk for you, and we'll post it here on the Trash Talk with TK uh, feed. So stay tuned for that. That'll do it for Trash Talk with TK. I'm Tom Kelly. See you later. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.